1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the 164th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms the Teens podcast. I'm Colin O'Grady, the host of the show. Today I'm talking to Kai Graham from Northern Ireland, and she has been a teen mentor for decades. She has some great practical advice for us today, including the three questions that improve communications with your teens by speaking less and learning more. Known for being able to help teens get their spark back within three sessions, Kai Graham is a UK based master teen mentor with three decades of experience as a mom and master practitioner in NLP hypnotherapy and coaching. She goes straight to the heart of the issue and brings a side of humor to lighten difficult subjects. Kai is a podcaster, international speaker, and an Amazon number one bestselling author of the Teen Toolbox. Her mission is to help parents to support their children so that together they can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. So welcome, Kai. Kai. Thank you so much, Colleen. I'm thrilled to be here. It's lovely to talk to you. Yes, yes. And you're talking to me from Northern Ireland, right? I am, sunny old Belfast. Um, <laughs> I
1: think summer is sort of finally sort of poking its nose
0: out. So, um, yeah, we're having a good time here. So, yeah, good to speak to you. Yes. So, the first question I ask my guests is Do you have kids and what are their ages?
1: Yeah, I've been in the I've been in the trenches of parenthood for quite a long time. I've got two kids, Jack, who is 28 and currently, and Alice, who is 26. So they're sort of they're out the other side, but they still thankfully uh, still need sort of mama bear every so often. So um yeah, but we've sort of had various ups and downs. Um, you know, so yeah, it's still sort
0: of going strong. So it's good fun. Yes. My daughter is 26. Also, I have a book that's going to launch literally on May 3rd. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations. Yes. And so it's for moms of daughters between 17 and 25. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Kind of to talk about that next stage, which I think can be super confusing for moms about what their role is and what their part is.
1: I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that sort of you know? I sort of find that it's at every sort of five or even ten year milestone, is that you sort of sit there and think, do you know what? I've got this parenting lark cracked, and then someone moves the goalposts, and we have to. We feel like we're learning all over again. And um, I hear you. Yeah, that, that's. I'm just sort of readjusting. So I'll, in a sort of year or so time, I'll be sort of adjusting to having thirty-somethings, which makes me feel terribly old. But
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great. It's a great time. So yeah. So share a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to start this business. Yeah. Teens.
1: The teens, well, I'm a bit of a chameleon. So I sort of started off in IT in the olden days when there was nothing but mainframes and then sort of reinvented myself and, and sort of became a wedding and portrait photographer and then sort of stopped work because I was a sort of full-time mum. So I've had many, many hats. And when I was a wedding and portrait photographer, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I sort of hung up my camera for a while and sort of spent time with him. And when he died and I'd sort of got over the grieving sort of process, I decided, right, come on, you're, you're a grown woman, you need to sort of get yourself motivated again. And it felt like I was walking through treacle. So I got a coach who was helping me sort of find my way. And I was expecting him to sort of say get back into photography And he said no 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 you don't have to do that And I suddenly realised I wanted to help women mainly With their sort of issues But what started to happen Because I was currently uh, or I was at that stage I was volunteering for Childline Which is a UK based charity Helping young kids online And and, you know sort of it was a sort of counselling service And all the mums were sort of saying, yeah, 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 I know I need help. But will you help my child? Will you help my child? And it was the teenagers that it was the adolescent years that they were wanting the the help with. A a bit like how you and I have just discussed is the fact that the goalposts change. And, you know, it's what do I do when my child does this? What do I do when my child does that? Why why won't they talk to me? Why, you know, they've lost their spot. And I suddenly realised, especially over here in the UK, is that... The toddlers and that sort of age group, we have our sort of band of sort of sisterhood, you know, and we sort of we help one another out. But I was finding that and my own experience as well is that parents feel very isolated when their kids are experiencing the meteor problems because they don't really want to talk about them terribly much because our kids are now sort of. Grown up, and we feel like we're betraying them if we sort of say, My kid's doing this, or my, and so it's a tricky time for parents. And so I suddenly realized, Whoa, this is what I should be doing. And so there's a long winded sort of response, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because it was from my own experiences as a parent, but also as a coach, and realized that we need to sort of, you know, no one teaches us how to parent no one teaches us how to communicate especially with stroppy teenagers you know I could tell you all about cloud formations and battles in, in history but no one teaches us at school how to communicate and it's one of the most important things that we need to learn because it's all about relationships isn't it really and so that's why I ended up supporting parents and their teenagers
0: yeah Well, it's the same here in the United States in terms of moms feeling really isolated and alone and a lot of shame. And one of the things I think that you and I know, because we listen to a lot of moms, is, like, what's normal? Like, we hear it. And, like, moms are really all struggling with some of the same sort of things. Totally. So. So one thing i find interesting i guess you're certified in nlp and hypnotherapy and do you use yes. that with teens and parents
1: i do but i don't really tell them that this is an
0: exercise
1: that why you know i got trained about what i've learned especially when sort of dealing with you know sort of the kids is it's just Implementing the strategies, but in a way that they can relate to. So, to be honest, I've forgotten some of the NLP buzzwords. um, And it was only when I was on a podcast recently and I was sort of talking about, you know, sort of someone said, but that's a classic NLP. And I went, oh, yeah, you're quite right, it is. But I've sort of morphed it into, just taking out all the jargon and so making it sort of much more relatable for sort of, you know, kids and families. But it is, it's the the underlying thing is hugely based on NLP, but I've sort of put my smattering of my own character in it. Now, more to the point for anyone who doesn't know what NLP is, it's neuro-linguistic programming, which basically means is that we're sort of Taking out, picking out what our thoughts and our, you know, neuro is the biological, the sort of wiring in the brain. Linguistic is the language behind it. And programming is sort of it's about all the limiting beliefs and all the programming we have had as children ourselves and from generations gone by and what we do is we sort of break it break it all down and go do you know what this isn't the best way of operating it's a bit like what you you know if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got and what NLP does is go let's just cut through all that and let's give you a better way of thinking and a more productive way of operating so you get better results so that's sort of what NLP is in a nutshell exam season's about to start in the UK and so it's helping kids sort of break down those anxieties break down those stresses and it's helping the parents communicate with their kids in a different way so that we are able to just sort of create slightly more a bit more harmony in the home because that really helps
0: especially with the stressful exam season sort of situation yeah exams are coming soon over here too So what is the number one question that you're asked by parents?
1: Um, I would say that one of the big things I'm known for is anxiety. But funnily enough, anxiety comes in all shapes and sizes, especially with lockdown. You know, when everyone has quarantined since the last couple of years with COVID, We've been sort of confined to barracks, so to speak. And a lot of what's manifesting with that or are eating disorders. So a lot of kids are coming to me, or you know, school refusals and sort of the reluctance to go back into the big wide world. Because for so long we were sort of saying, you know, there's a big bad wolf out there and it's called COVID and, and you've got to stay safe and stay at home. And then suddenly we're going, All right, okay, all changed now. Yeah, it's still about, but you've got to go out and start mixing with the masses. And our kids they're sort of going hang on a minute I've just programmed myself I have to stay at home now you're telling me even though it's not safe I've got to go out there and so there's so much around anxiety but it comes in all shapes and sizes the trick is is unpacking and unpicking what's going on for each person sort of supporting them
0: through what their struggles are so I'm wondering if you I've been a therapist for 28 years So I'm wondering if you see some of the same things that I do, that COVID really did a number on girls' friendships, especially. Oh, my. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, I've seen it sort of not only with clients, but um, you know with my own family. Actually, I remember my daughter sort of saying, we've been told we're allowed to go out now. And half my friends are going, hurrah, hurrah, let's go to the clubs. Let's do this and let's do that. And yet she's saying, I don't know. How comfortable I am To go out And she sort of said You know I sort of feel as though I've become cocooned In my sort of own In my own little bubble And so many girls and, And guys But girls especially For teenagers as a whole Their friendship group Is their tribe It's so important But girls are Much more sociable animals So when They've had their wings Clipped a bit We've had two years of this They sort of Adjusted to The way Life was And now It's a bit Like sort of saying, right, all change And our kids are needing to understand How to re-communicate with their friends Because, yeah, we've... I mean, especially this generation anyway They're very comfortable with using um, social media And WhatsApp groups But actually... Going into schools and going into sort of social situations can be quite alarming for some people because Mm -hmm. the unconscious mind is going, watch out, watch out, there might be a saber-toothed tiger there. And we have to unpack all that programme and go, come on, these are your mates. These are the people that you have in each other's pockets two years ago. It's okay to reintroduce that again. Some of the introverts are sort of slightly more tentative in dipping their toes into the sort of social arena, I think. So...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying that with anxiety, it it has a lot of different outlets like the eating disorders or the cutting or, but it also comes up with the social anxiety. And you're right. I think the kids who are kind of medium to introvert really suffered from that because they told themselves that it was more comfortable staying at home and being on their devices than taking that risk and going back out.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's the fight or flight, which is basically sort of saying stay within your comfort zone and it is safe. And so it's recognizing that and it's it's learning that do you know what, even though I might have butterflies in my tummy, this is a good thing. It might not necessarily be fear, it could be excitement or it could be anticipation. And so we need to teach our kids to recognize and develop their emotional vocabulary and get in touch with themselves and go okay I might think that I'm feeling wobbly here but actually I'm going into a safe space I am going to see my friends I'm going in to see my buddies and this is okay but we don't always have to come at it at a run sometimes parents supporting their kids it's maybe have. A few friends over to start off with and have a small gathering or just meet up on a one-to-one basis so that kids are able to sort of go, actually, this isn't as terrifying as I thought it might have been. So it's just taking it at your child's pace without trying to force it too much because we're all different. And I remember sort of, oh, years ago, my son was, he used to come in from school and just collapse in a heap. Whereas my daughter used to come in from school and say, so-and-so is coming out for baking. Is that OK? And I had to remember that both ways were right because each of us decompresses and, and relaxes in a different way. So it's just sort of working out. There is no one size fits all. It's not a cookie cutter approach, but also it's acknowledging that even though it might feel safe to sort of stay at
0: home and do nothing, it's not always the, the healthiest option. Right. And then they're on the social media and they're seeing their friends are all together and that they're left out and then they feel really lonely and yeah. depressed. Exactly. So. So I completely agree with just respecting where your kids are and doing it one gentle step at a time to get them connected. So you have a book called The Teen Toolbox. Yes. So could you tell me three of your top tools? The first
1: one, which is actually a lot of schools are now introducing this. I call it box breathing, but it can come in under sort of loads of different guises, and it is basically breath work, which is hands down the fastest way for our kids to clear the chaos in their head, because the amygdala only really understands breath work. It does, you know, if you sort of sit there and think of a toddler having a meltdown, come calm down, you will be absolutely fine, doesn't cut it. Because our, when we are in that anxiety or stress induced sort of, um, state, our mind and our body doesn't hear words. So box breathing is the fastest way just to press pause, stop all that adrenaline and cortisol pumping around the body, and just sort of saying, do you know what, I've got this. And for anyone who hasn't heard of box breathing, it's basically, think of a box, you know, it's the four sides of a square. And you just breathe in over the top for four, breathe down one side for four. I can feel myself coming down already. Breathing along the bottom for four and breathing up the side for four. And that only takes about a minute. The great thing about that exercise, is that it's invisible. So you could be doing it in an exam hall. You could be doing it standing in the lunch queue. You can do it sitting on the bus. And if you're feeling a bit wobbly, just remember box breathing. In for four, pause, out for four. And it just, and there are loads of other breathing exercises, but that is the easiest one to remember from the age of four, 24, 44, it doesn't really matter. And it's a great way of going, do you know what? I've got this, you're okay. So that really helps.
0: And Um, another
1: tool? Let's use one that I'm using a lot at the minute for young kids or students who are struggling with exams, revision, time organisation. I mean, a lot of the parents sort of come to me and sort of say, my child's really struggling at school, so I need you to help them with time management. And actually, I think it's overwhelming. Our kids at the minute, you know, across the board, have so much going on in their head, whether or not they need to remember their books, whether or not they're revising for an exam, whether or not they've got you know, trialling out for hockey practice, whatever it is, there is so much going on, such high expectations, and they're juggling all these balls there's a lot of pressure on them and so this exercise I call is brain dumping and really what it does is it just sort of says right just stop rather than think I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I, I don't have five minutes to even think is get a pen and paper and just get it all out in paper. Just get all the tasks that you need to do. And it could be, you know, submit an assignment, it could be um, piano practice, it could be write a thank you letter to granny, it could be emailing so and so, it could be asking your friends for a sleepover or whatever it is. But just get everything down on paper. And then what we do is just sit down and start prioritizing and sort of going, well, let's time each of these. How long does each of these tasks take? Because A lot of the time they could only take, you know, especially if you're sending emails or writing texts or I don't know. But a lot of this rubbish can be cleared within sort of, you know, two, three, four minutes. And it's just finding out, well, actually, I could do a chunk of all this now and then it clears it. So work out and see how long each task takes. And then it's a matter of doing it now. Or scheduling it If you need to do Revision plans Great If it's not Exam season But you still Sort of need to Sort of sort your head out Is well I need to do This assignment Well how long Is that going to take you It could take me A couple of days Okay well let's Chunk this down Even more Maybe the introduction Might be 300 words And you know That might take you I don't know 25 minutes Or it could take you An hour or whatever And then okay Well what happens If you break it down Into the body Of that assignment Might have three Different modules to it and so each one of those might take sort of 20 minutes or an hour or two hours you know and then right I need to do the conclusion and then I need to type it up and then I need to but it's just breaking everything down into baby steps it's getting all that brain dumping it's getting all that chaos out of your head and plonking it down on paper and that is you know that really really helps so that's that exercise and the biggest one that I use is called Three Questions and it's helping parents to communicate with their kids because as teenagers our kids are wired for independence that biologically they should be if we go back to sort of caveman or olden times they, they would have been booted out of the hut and sort of sent on their way, go and find another settlement, go and find a partner, You're over to you, love, you're all on your own. But in this day and age, we're now sort of saying, oh, no, hang on a minute, you've got to hang around until you're 18. You've got to go to, you know, you've got to stay under the same roof as your parents. You've got to be achieving X, Y, and Z at school or college or whatever it is. So mentally, our kids are sort of saying, right, I've got to stay here. Biologically, they're going, we shouldn't be here. And so they're pulling away from parents, becoming uncommunicative, Hold up in their room And not really wanting to sort of talk to anyone And sometimes when they're struggling They just don't really want to communicate with anyone And so the parents, as we touched on You know, sort of have all this guilt of, Well, I should be able to help my child I don't know what to say I don't know how to get them to open up to me And so that's what sort of leads to the conflict Is that our kids sometimes don't even know What's going on in their own heads So how on earth can they communicate <laughs> it with their parents But... This is called a three questions exercise. Though I say it myself, it's absolute gold. I do suggest that or insist that the kids need to know about this exercise. So they need to know how it operates. So you need to explain it to them. But the first question is, what is your number? And that is basically asking your child to give you on on a scale of one to 10 how they're feeling. One being really dark, possibly suicidal having a horrible time. And 10 being, oh no, I'm grand, skipping through the tulips, thank you very much, you can just leave me well alone, life's good. And so that is a great way for our kids to just communicate to you how they're feeling. Now this is an exercise that really only needs to be done and should be done once a day, not every hour because it loses its impact. But what it does is it gives the parents a benchmark of, well, do you know what? There are seven today and there were a five yesterday, so things are getting better. And that just says enough for us sometimes. We just sort of go, oh, well, that's good news. Yeah, OK. I can leave them alone because they're feeling OK. So a quick caveat is remember that if you've got more than one child, one person's four could be very different to someone else's four. So don't suddenly think, oh, flip, one child's really struggling because four for them might be OK, whereas for another child it might not be. So that's your first question. Your second question is, what is your word? And this is a describing word for your child to say how they're feeling. Um, now, "moo," rubbish and okay is not really very communicative. So we need something that describes how they're feeling. And to begin with, to be fair, a lot of the time they might just go angry and you go, all right. Well, you said angry yesterday. Is that the same angry as today? And they go, oh, no, no, no. Yesterday I was angry because my teacher gave me an F. And it was like, well... That's because you didn't submit your assignment in on time. So, OK, fine. Lesson learned there. So why are you a different angry today? Oh, today I, you know, one of my mates, you know, said something's unkind to me, someone else or whatever. And like, Oh, OK, that might not be angry. How, how does that feel? Could you feel betrayed? Could you feel judged? Could you feel disappointed? And what this does, A, it gives us an idea of what's going on in their world today but b it also as we touched on earlier it gives our kids the understanding of their own emotional intelligence and they can increase their emotional sort of vocabulary so I'm just I'm permanently feeling angry it's oh hang on a minute actually yesterday's anger was my own blimmin' fault because I didn't submit my maths but this is actually today's anger is well okay it's quite justified I could feel upset or hurt or whatever so it's helping them understand that range of emotions and it helps them develop and getting in touch with what's going on inside so that what's your number what's your word the third question is the one that we have to abide by and it's do you want to talk and Mm. to be honest (laughs) 95% of the time you'll get no No, thanks. No, I'm fine. No, really. (laughs) But there is that 5% of the time when our kids might just go, yes. And as parents, we need to step back. And rather than, oh, I knew something was wrong. Come and tell me all about it because I've been so worried. Just press pause and go, oh, okay, good. I'm glad you're ready and we can sort of sort out what's going on. Do you want to talk now? Is now the right time to do it? Or do you want to sort of do it later on? And I think the thing is, is that we are then giving our kids, who want that independence, we are then giving them the control for them to sort of realise, oh, okay. well, actually, I'm the one driving this. So I'm not going to get the Spanish Inquisition from mum, dad or whoever. I am going to deal with this in my own time. Because sometimes they might sort of say, yeah, I'm ready to talk, but can you just let me get it sorted in my own head and so and other times it's yeah but I don't really know what's happening and so maybe if your child wants to talk maybe not eye to eye over the kitchen table you might just sort of say okay let's hit the dog for walk or let's go for a drive or let's make pizza together or whatever it is because we know with teenagers long enough they don't really like that feeling of being interviewed and sometimes the best way to communicate is whilst you're doing something different and so just remember you know do you want to talk is that opportunity for your child to realize do you know what mum dad whoever actually has my back they are offering support and it's up to me to choose when I open up that dialogue a little bit further. but the great thing about this number and word is invariably, and this is my, I mean my strap line is bringing um, families together by parenting less. And actually what this, what these questions do is help us realize, do you know what on a scale, my kid's doing okay. I don't know all the details and you know we've got to insist on honesty to, you know that, that's the caveat but it gives us the opportunity to realise I might not be fully versed, you know, I mean, when our kids are about five, six, seven, we know their favourite pizza topping that Stacy pushed them over in, you know, in the playground. You, you get it word for word. But with your older kids, sometimes they sort of need to hold back a bit and work out what's going on in their own world before they share it with mum and dad. So this is a way of us being able to have a benchmark of understanding where our kids are at on a daily basis without giving them the spanish inquisition
0: for you know too long yes that they don't like that i think that is wonderful i have two thoughts about that is yeah. one is i think the what is your number what is your word and do you want to talk i think that works for spouses oh t- yes yes <laughs> i hear you <laughs> i think that worked definitely and then i also was thinking i think that helps dial down the anxiety for the mom you're so so right i've
1: had you know so much feedback from parents that you know i've shared this with i mean one mom sort of said oh my gosh I this I, I my, I'm just really getting to like my daughter a bit more because probably because the daughter isn't feeling as though mum's breathing down her neck. She, she's turned out to you know to quite a nice person, ha, ha ha. Because it's not permanently. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Because there's nothing worse for a teenager than having a needy parent going. I've got to hear everything. You know, it's they they do need their space, but this gives us the parents that understanding of what's going on, but without too much pressure. And the kids are able to just relax a little bit more. Funnily enough, one mum sort of said, I'm seeing so much more of my kids now. And I was, well, what do you mean? She said, well, usually they came in from school and ran straight upstairs. (laughs) Now they're sitting on the, you know, they're sort of sitting on the sofa, watching telly, hanging out with the dog. And I went, yeah, that's because they know that because of this three questions, If you still say, do you want to talk? And they say, no, you have to back off. So, you know, there's the benefits. It's the fact that everyone gets a bit of space, but everyone gets the information that they need. And that really, really helps.
0: Yeah. And that just builds trust in the teen. Like I know moms will say, hey, let's just hang out and let's go and get a coffee. But then when the daughter or the son's in the car, they just blast them with issues. Yeah. So then that kid does not trust. I can't go so anywhere you. with mom. So this, yeah. even though that's like probably the hardest thing in the whole world for a mom to do is say, do you want to talk? Yeah. But I, I always say parenting is like a spiritual discipline. Like, you know, you just you have to learn how to hold yourself back. Yes. So but when you do that, your teens trust you. And so then they feel like they can hang out and not just wall up in their room. Yeah. So I I think that's awesome. So what can moms do to help their teens manage big emotions and meltdowns? I think sharing box
1: breathing. I think that the important thing is for our kids to realize that it doesn't, not everything is Instagrammable. Not everything is rose-tinted glasses. Um, Life has its ups and downs, and that's the way it should be. We need to experience the fun and the laughter, but we also need to experience the hiccups. We need to be able to, you know, sort of trip up and dust ourselves down and understand that this is part of life's rich tapestry. Jack Canfield was one of my coaches a while back. And his, one of his big things is there's no such thing as failure, it's only feedback. And I think this is what our kids need to understand, is that when life throws them a curveball, it's okay what we need to do is understand how we can learn those lessons, how we can embrace, dare I say, a failure, but learn from those, you know, the ups and the downs. And I think our kids are allowed to have these knockbacks, but realize that if they are given the coping strategies of coping with anxiety, coping with stress, coping with disappointment, you know, sort of opening up when they sort of feel the most vulnerable, that this gives them the opportunity to embrace life warts and all because it doesn't have to be perfect. I think so many kids feel that expectations are so high, but if they allow themselves to embrace the messiness of life, then that gives them the confidence to go, do you know what? I dealt with X, Y, and Z two months ago. And yeah, if I I did that, and yes, I had support or whatever, but it means that I can deal with ABC now or something else. And so it's just giving them the opportunity to realize you don't have to be blimmin' perfect. And that's okay, And, you know, so many of us are realizing this well into our 30s, 40s, 50s. And if we can teach that to our kids now, you know, whether or not it's exams that didn't go so well or friendships that break up or whatever it is. I think if we give them the inner confidence to like who they see in the mirror, to accept that life isn't all a bowl of cherries,
0: that gives them the strength to cope with whatever life throws at us. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a Jack Canfield trainer, so I can relate oh, to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I hear you. Mom's energy matters. The okay. energy brings to our teens really matters and they react to your energy. So okay. so that's why I think the three questions is really helpful, because that helps manage your energy. Like those conversations that were are feeling panicky or we're worried about them making the grades they need to make that energy. They react to it. And I also think in terms of managing big emotions, if your kids are having big emotions, like I know so many moms get in trouble because they try to just cheer their kids up or they can react and overreact to their big emotions. So, so either reaction isn't helpful to your teens reactions. You're quite right. And
1: if you sort of think about it, I mean, you know, we as parents, we are the captain of the ship. We are the ones in charge. I'm not saying in a control way, but we are the ones that are sort of guiding the family through whatever, you know, obstacles or whatever life throws at us. As you say, our kids follow our lead. Now, if you imagine if you were sort of sitting there and in a plane and suddenly the plane hits turbulence and... You sort of saw the cabin crew running around, going, "I don't know what to do." I mean, you know, don't panic, but for goodness' sake, this is really scary, and hang on to your hats. And and I, you know, and and if they lost control, the whole vibe in the airplane would be very different. But if you are, if they keep their cool, they know they 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 know the training. They are taught how to send out the vibe of calm and clarity, and then we take that vibe so this is exactly the same from the parenting point of view our kids you know even many a time i've sort of sat there and thought i haven't a flipping clue what to do at the minute but it's a matter of let's just take stock. let's take a deep breath use box breathing if you want to and it's a matter of going what's the sensible thing to do here what's the safest thing whatever it is whatever the situation is if you are Calm in your delivery, even though you might not have much of an idea, then that projects that feeling of calmness and sort of harmony for our kids because they do look to us for advice and for support. And I think the trick is is that we don't have to have the future all mapped out, but as long as we are maybe one step ahead, we're doing okay. And I think the thing is is we sort of touched on mum guilt. I think the thing is, is that we just have to remember that we are the best person here for our kids. And sometimes I've sort of said to my kids, I have no idea, but listen, let's do this together. And it might be, you know, I think as parents especially of teenagers, we feel that we need to have all the answers. And actually we're doing them a disservice if we hand them the answers on a plate sometimes. Sometimes we just would do better by sort of saying, listen, I'm not too sure what we're doing here, but let's do it together. Or I've got your back. I'm here to support you. But what would you do in this situation? Because that gives our kids that learning experience without being fed the answer because they don't learn then. So I think the thing is helping our kids question themselves, question what they would do, knowing and this is the great thing, knowing that we are their safety net because that's what the unconscious mind needs is to know that I'm here to learn, but mum's got my back. And I think when we sort of travel, I always say when we move, From the sort of preteen years to the teen years, our roles as parents change. We move from manager, where we're, you know, sort of meticulously sort of mapping out sort of lives. We move from manager to mentor. And so we start walking alongside our kids with them, guiding them rather than instructing them what to do, because that equips them better for adult life. So we don't always have to fix everything. We can sometimes just relate and validate how they're feeling so that they go all right yeah okay it's not just me and yeah i'm allowed to feel wobbly and i'm allowed to feel like this and this is okay and this is normal and that gives our kids the safety the sort of self-knowledge that actually they are progressing in this adult world we've got to help them to understand that we're their cheerleaders as well to support them through it yeah
0: so do you have any last advice for our moms listening think the thing
1: is, is to realize that you are the best person place for your child. And sometimes it is a matter of saying less is achieving more. I sort of say that as individuals aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we we all need that safety. We all need to be fed and watered. We all need the roof over our head and we're blessed that we have that. But the next level of needs we have as individuals, whether or not you're 222 or 52, is we need to feel loved. We need to feel understood and we need to feel respected. And so if our kids know we've got their back, tell your child that you love them as much, then maybe that's a note to self. But it's showing them by your actions as well, to let them know that you are there for them as much as you can be. Have that feeling of being loved because that is pretty special. Being understood is something that I think our teens hold in very high regard. And we don't always get what's going on in their minds. We don't always understand what's going on. The three questions really, really helps. But it's just when you have that opportunity to chat to them and to find out what life's like from their perspective, so you get what's going on for them. And when you allow your kids to open up and rather than fix it or rather than have an opinion, just hear them out. Listening to what your child's got to say is a massive way for reinforcing the fact that you just sort of say, I value you, your opinion matters. Because as teenagers, that's huge. And then to be loved, to be understood and to be respected. So many parents struggle with that. And they say to me, "I, how can you tell me to respect my child when they're being so rude and there's the attitude going on? And I think the thing is, is that my granny used to say, do as you would be done by, which is very much treat people the way you would want to be treated yourself and so sometimes you know I, rem- I remember my kids used to come in and throw their school bag down and, 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 and all, all tight and wound up and cross and and I caught myself on one day because I was sort of going, don't come into here and sort of you know automatically there was that sparring match and so I learned sort of fairly early on is they come in and I just hand them tea and toast. And I said, looks like you've had a hard day. And I remember the first time I did it with my son and it was like, what's going on here? <laughs> but it's just sort of saying, I hear you. I know what it's like. And it's just going, if we start treating our kids as the adults that they want to be, and okay, clearly if they sort of throw it back in our faces and you know break boundaries and whatever, We have to pull in the reins a tiny bit. But it's just sort of saying, I've got you, I hear you. And I think the more we show that our kids that we are respectful of them, it starts coming back. They soon start reciprocating. And that is a great thing. It's it's a wonderful thing when, you know, the the, the
0: dynamics in the family starts changing a little bit. Wonderful advice. Yes. (laughs) So how can our listeners find out more about you? Easiest
1: way is through my website, KaiGraham.com. I'm on Instagram and I am, I've am. i got a YouTube channel. Go on to Amazon and buy my book, The Teen Toolbox. I'm on Facebook. I'm sort of fairly easy to find. Uh, my name is Kai Graham, so that's C-A-I. Yeah, I sort of have a lot of free resources. But each one of those exercises that I also sort of went through has its own sort of downloadable through PDF. So we could put those links in the show
0: notes for people to go and access. That would be great. Wonderful. Colleen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking. Yes, to you. it's been wonderful. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give How Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.